What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Yeah. Lights on. Oh, yeah. Lights on, guns up. TJ's here. What's going on, TJ Whiskey <laughs> Pro? We got Dylan in the house. Dylan, what's going on? My main man, Dylan, who spells his name right. I know other Dylans who don't spell their name right. This guy's got it figured out. He's got to figure it out. Notoriety Sports <clears throat> Network, Dylan Austin, which we are a part of Notoriety Sports Network. Yes, we are. My beer matches my hat tonight. Oh, very nice. Well, you can't really see it with the light there. Yeah. Oh, bright Nirvana IPA. Oh, very nice. It's a good one. I've had it before. This isn't new, but it's good. Okay. Anyways, haven't had that one yet. It's not bad. It's crisp, you know. Yeah, it's it's not like it's very IPA IPA. Put it that way. Okay. It's <laughs> like it, it's hoppy. What's <laughs> going on, everyone? Welcome to the show. It is on and off the field with their fan Dylan. Oh boy, you know it kind of feels like you know I heard someone say it perfectly earlier mm-hmm. today on the Dan Patrick show. I, th- I think it was Dan Patrick. Yeah. It kind of more felt like the NFL season came to an end rather than the NFL season finally has its Super Bowl champion in 2020-21 season, you know? Okay, yeah. It, it kind of just seemed like, you know, the Super Bowl kind of sucked. It was a blowout. The season ended, and it's like, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> you know, do you feel the same way, or is that just me? No, I- I feel the same way. Yeah, definitely. This seems like uh, okay. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I feel like I was just left wanting more because I even stayed. I, I watched the entire you know celebration on the field, all the speeches mm-hmm. and everything, and I was just kind of just sitting there like, "Yeah, season's over. That was good stuff. All right, we did it. We, we battled through COVID. You know every all everything that happened. We've made it to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and guess what? Tom Brady won again. Now every everyone kept saying, you know, we just want to go back to normal. You know, twenty twenty was a roller coaster. We just want things to go back to normal. Well, we didn't entirely mean, you know, entirely back to normal like Tom Brady winning Super Bowls. I don't think that's what we meant. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit too normal. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, Brandon, what's going on? It's almost Brandon's time. It pretty much is Brandon's time to shine now. Baseball coming up. Football's dead. It's oh, baseball yeah. time. <laughs> AJ, what's going on, man? Nice grabbing. Enjoy the interview. Yeah, it's gonna be good stuff. He should be joining us uh here shortly. Yeah. Should be shortly, I think. <laughs> he said he was gonna join us at the beginning of the show. We're gonna have Danon Hughes, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver and now color commentator. Iowa Hawkeye standout. Dude, yeah. there's a two-sport athlete, paid, played baseball, what, third-round pick in the amateur draft by the Milwaukee Brewers? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's got a – we can't wait to talk to him. This dude got to play with Joe Montana. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Those primos, what's going on, my main man? Bucks defense was insane. Yes, it was. All right. So, welcome to the show, everyone. Stick around. It's going to be a great one. We're going to just start start the uh, flossing process here. Oh, yeah. 
start the flossing process, you got to make sure you're flossing. It is recommended by 10 out of 10 podcasters everywhere. And also our sponsor for this segment is Stefan Diggs. Flossing is follow, like, observe, subscribe, and share to everything on and off the field related. Durf, give them the rest of it. Oh, yeah. Well, you can follow, like, observe, and share on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our YouTube and our Twitch our Twitch channels, which we are currently live on, all of them by searching at OOTF Podcast or on and off the field. Make sure to click the link in the video description so that you can get all the other links that you need to stay on top of what's going on with this podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so that we know how we're doing and what you like or dislike about this award-winning show. That is right. We are an award-winning show, aren't we? Yeah, we I are. almost forgot. Not. <laughs> this award-winning show that's going to win another award this year, right? Yeah, not. I, I'll keep my eyes we'll out for podcast award shows. <laughs> if, 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 if you guys ever see any more possible podcast award things going on, let us know. We're trying to rack up the stacks behind us. What's going on, Strikeout Beer? How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to the show, Rapid Dave Allen. Joey, how you doing tonight, man? What's up? Happy Tuesday. Have to super with Brady. Triumphants again. Yep. Once again, once again. It's never ceases to amaze me, Tom Brady. All right, I think I think we're ready. We're ready to just start this show out with the absolute largest bang that we can think of. Um, special guest, Danon Hughes. I think he can hear me. So let me give him a little. You know, you gotta like warm butter him up a little bit. You know, you gotta like be ready to go, and you gotta be like really excited. So this is gonna be Danon Hughes. Currently, TV, radio broadcaster, Kansas City Chiefs color analyst, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver and Milwaukee Brewer, former Iowa Hawkeye, played football and baseball, a two-sport athlete at its finest. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody, please welcome in Danon Hughes. Danon, how are you? Doing all right, guys. Trying to get uh, settled here. Trying to get this, you know, you guys up on camera and all that jazz. So, sorry about that. Hey, take your, now this By no means is this a professional podcast. You take your time, whatever you got to do. <laughs> there you go. I'm here. There we go. Uh, how are you on this fine Tuesday? Um, I'm cold. Just got back from Tampa where it was in the 70s, and now here in Kansas City, it was like three degrees and seven degrees, so a little cold, but also uh, it's been a rough day with uh, the passing of Marty Schottenheimer, my, my old coach, as well as one of the local really, really cool um, uh, reporters, Therese Paler, who I've done work with on a couple of TV and radio shows as well, so he passed away suddenly, so mm-hmm. kind of a rough stretch of of days here in kansas city but we're battling through yeah it's 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 been an emotional past couple of days with those announcements and also um the espn pedro um passing yeah. away as well yeah. it's yeah, yeah it's pedro been an emotional yeah. couple of days with that but you know we we really appreciate you making time uh coming on to the show today yeah so 
I guess that you kind of started it off for me. The first question there with the passing of Marty Schottenheimer, just wanted since he was your coach, I mean, want to give a like a little, a little some your favorite memory maybe from uh, uh, Martin Marty. Yeah, Marty was a great man, a great coach. Uh, I was fortunate to be under him for six years. Uh, he and I got each other. You know, oftentimes you kind of. You may have experiences where you don't know where the coach really stands or you have an experience where coaches might BS you sometimes or just tell you what they think you want to hear, et cetera, especially in the crazy business of the NFL. You kind of never know. And I always felt like what he was telling me was truly from his heart. Um, He was very passionate. I kind of consider myself a very emotional and passionate player. So it was great to have a coach who was who was willing to kind of be that way as well outwardly. Um, and just he was just real. Like you knew exactly where he stood. You knew exactly what he wanted from you, what he expected from you. And, uh, you know, the, the term that, hey, this guy you want to run through a brick wall for, that's thrown around a lot. But Marty was one of those guys. You kind of felt like he was on the field with you every single play that he put you in the best position. He made, he brought stuff out of you that you didn't realize. And that was kind of like me. I wasn't, I was a special teams knucklehead for most of my career captain for four years. And I never played special teams in my life before coming to Kansas city. And it was just something that was drilled in me. And I always tell, always tell people the best coaches are the best brain, best brainwashers. Uh, they can get you to believe things and see things and, and do things that you never thought you'd be able to do. And um, that's kind of how Marty was to me. He was just a great man, very influential. I was fortunate where I had Dwayne Banks as a baseball coach at Iowa, the baseball fields named after him. Hayden Fry, a Hall of Fame coach, one of the greatest college coaches ever. And then coming into the pros, getting to, to be coached under Marty Schottenheimer. So I've had a lot of great coaches in my life, and Marty's definitely at the top. Yeah, Hayden Fry as well. Man, yeah, that's kind of a lucky stretch there with coaches. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Hayden Fry, I, I just wanted to throw up real quick. Uh, probably one of my my favorite highlights. I, I I'll get to see what your favorite highlight from your career is, but this I think this was one of my favorites that I that kind of was able to locate. It's only know if this <laughs> rings a bell. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's what nineteen ninety one. Yeah, that was uh ninety one. We we were ten and one that year. Um, the still the best winning percentage in Iowa history. So I was part mm-hmm. of some great teams, Rose Bowl team, and then that team was the next year after the Rose Bowl. A couple of funny stretches about that is one, I had pre-planned the Snow Angel. Um, oh, okay. Two, I told everybody I was going to do it. Two, that um, there's never been a time, that's what, 30 years ago, 29 years ago, there's not been one time that I've gone back to Iowa where somebody hasn't mentioned that. (laughs) Not one time since I've been back. And two, one of the coolest parts of it was that my baseball teammates, I played baseball at Iowa, my baseball teammates were hammering the Minnesota Golden Gophers in their huddle with, with snowballs. It was the funniest thing ever. I mean, they would throw, They probably needed to ice their arms after after the football game. They were just 
He was throwing lasers at him from the, from the oh. stands. It was amazing. It was the funniest thing. I couldn't I couldn't help but laugh in the huddle because I knew where they were, and I saw all these lightning bolts of snowballs coming down and hitting guys in the helmet. It was a hilarious thing. Oh man, I don't yeah, think you can see that today. <laughs> no, they probably no. be fined and suspended doing that stuff today. That's not gonna That's not gonna pan out. Oh. And I, I, that game is just even more special because, from what I saw, that was Hayden Fry's 100th win as a head coach as well. So, just yep. a lot of amazing stuff there. And then, obviously, going into the NFL, being like what you already mentioned, coached by Marty Schottenheimer, you have to play with Joe Montana. I mean, yeah, that that's pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty. That's that's cool. <laughs> the last two years, Joe. Imagine being a rookie. Coming into the locker room where Derek Thomas, Neil Smith, Joe Montana, Marcus Allen, and then I was drafted with Will Shields. So I think I, I wind up playing with like six different Hall of Famers. Tony Gonzalez came a few years later, uh, played with Ronnie Lott. He came, his last stop in the NFL was in Kansas mm. City during the preseason. Wow. wow. So I was, I was very fortunate to be around greatness. And I, my motto was just don't screw it up. Just don't screw anything up because it's not going to be their fault. It's going to be my fault. So that's what I lived by for six years. What do you mean it was my fault? I wasn't even on the field. It was your fault. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll wear it. I'll wear it, Coach. All right. That's fine. I'll figure it out. Whatever. Um, that That's my general recap from what I wrote down. Just an amazing career. I mean, if, if you had one highlight before we get into present-day stuff, just one highlight, something that you'll live with forever, uh, what, what do you think that would be? I know that's a lot to ask. Um, <laughs> man, I got, I got to catch touchdowns from two Hall of Famers. I got a touchdown passes from Joe Montana, and then I actually caught Marcus Allen's last touchdown pass in the NFL. Uh, wow. Was a, a running back, a running back pass on Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, those are those are kind of a couple of my highlights. There's a whole bunch of others during that six year stretch, but probably those two stand out. Do you That's have awesome. those footballs? You I have, have the first back? touchdown football. I don't have. I don't think I have the Marcus Allen one, which was dumb of mm -hmm. me. I should have kept it. But yeah, <laughs> was, I, I still have the memory, so those are awesome. Hey, the memories are what counts. Um, yep. I, I just got. I got one question coming in from the comments, real quick. Uh, how different is playing college ball in the NFL from from your perspective? College ball into the NFL from your perspective. The speed of the game. I don't care. Like, we played the U, University of Miami, back in the days when they were in their heydays. We played, obviously, the Big Ten was probably more prominent than the, the SEC back then. Mm -hmm. And playing the top-shelf bowl games, Rose Bowls, uh, Holiday Bowl, et cetera, and none of those matchups were anywhere close to the NFL speed. The speed of the game in the NFL is astronomically different than college football. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you're playing against Alabama or whomever, LSU, the speed is totally different in the NFL. It's a second, it's a whole next level. So the people that, because, you know, as fans, and I'm a fan now, you watch the game, you have, you know, 65-inch, 50-inch TVs, and you get the freeze frame, and you get the replays and all that, slow motion, you think, like, you kind of really think, like, oh, this is happening where really slow, or it's happening where you can recognize different things. Not even close. It's mm -hmm. like 
It's like slowing down the, the Indy 500 and believing that you can drive that fast down the highway. It just, it's just not even close. Uh, and so, you know, I criticize people at times where they, you know, they call an athlete dumb because he had helmet to helmet contact or uh, a guy missed a block or a pass goes off the fingers and he people think he should have had it. And I'm like, you really don't realize how fast things happen where a guy drops his head or drops his shoulder, but then the other guy drops his head and the helmets just happen to hit. Like it's mm -hmm. impossible to gauge when you're watching it on television or you're seeing it frame by frame. So the speed, like you can't imagine, unless somebody threw you out on the field in the middle of it and then let everybody run around around you, you wouldn't understand. You would never grasp the speed of the game the way it really is. Hey, 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 Joe Schmo on the couch. Go uh go cover Tyreek Hill real quick. You tell me what <laughs> you, you go tell me if that's holding or something like that. Don't even tell me if you hold it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No clue. So like you mentioned right off the bat, mentioned coming back from Tampa Bay. All right. <laughs> you got gotta get into the tough stuff now. I well, you've had about yeah. forty eight hours to recover, maybe. That's it's it's been rough, but We've all seen the analysis, what happened. I mean, what, Patrick Mahomes was running around for almost 500 yards in the backfield, just running for his life. Yeah. I mean, general takeaway, what what, what happened? We the, They already played the Bucks in the regular season. What was the big difference this time around? So here, here's a couple of things. One, uh, the Chiefs beat the Buccaneers 27-24 in the regular season. And what people, because the Chiefs had won, I believe it was nine games by one score, less than one score or something, um, people believe the Chiefs are really good. But I, I, I kind of feel like because we won so many close games, people assumed that we were that much better than everybody and we just happened to win close games. And I think what you saw in the Super Bowl – and even in part, even though the excuse with Patrick Mahomes going down with an injury against the Browns, we only won that one by uh, five points, people seem to think, okay, well, we're just really, really, really great, and we just happen to be bored, or we happen to play down to our opponent. And I think what you come out of the Super Bowl with is that there were teams that were closer to us than I think people wanted to, wanted to admit. And the Buccaneers, I can imagine, I've been in that locker room with a great coach. Heck, there were, there's two coaches on the Buccaneers staff that I played with, Todd McNair and Kevin Ross in Kansas City. And I know Bruce Arians was a Chiefs coach when he first came into the NFL. So you kind of know what, what was resonating around that organization for two weeks before the Super Bowl. Hey, we gave up 203 yards to Tyreek Hill in the first quarter, um, and they still only beat us by three points. You know, that's that's what a coach, if, if Bruce Arians is a leader, that's probably what he was promoting to his team is, hey, guys, we took their best punches and they only beat us by three points. And we and we had to hold the ball for four minutes and three seconds at the end of the game to secure that win, as opposed to punting the ball back to Tom Brady and giving him an opportunity to drive the field and tie or win the game. Mm -hmm. So that game was closer than what people would think. And I'm sure those players thought, man, if we erase that first quarter, we win that game. And that's the truth. They probably do. 
And so going into this game, you kind of felt like people thought it was going to be a blowout when it was really a closer game, closer matchup. And they did things. They shut down our offense, not just for four quarters. They shut it down for six quarters. They shut it down from halftime of that first matchup through this entire Super Bowl. Think about it. In six mm-hmm. quarters, we've only, we only scored, I believe, 19 points total against them. Four field goals and one touchdown. And there's no other team that we've played, especially during the Patrick Mahomes era, and I'd even go back to the Alex Smith era during Andy Reid's tenure, that can say that we played them twice, and that's what we did over the course of six quarters. And so the Bucs were legit. They played like they were legit. They had an outstanding game plan that started with their rush up front, and we couldn't hold them off. Our offensive linemen didn't do their job to the best of their ability, and Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. Yeah, I brought up the yeah. it, our, our previous show before the Super Bowl, brought up Mike Rem- Remmers having to step in, and we all saw what happened when he was uh, playing for the Panthers against the Broncos. It seemed kind of like uh, yeah, just repeating history right there. And some people, people laughed at me. They thought that wasn't an interesting stat. Mike Remmers coming in. Well, we all saw what happened. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, it was unfortunate. I mean, you think about the Chiefs last year, the Super Bowl offensive line for the Super Bowl. We had four four of those five guys not playing in this game. The starting lineup for Week One against the Houston Texans this year, we had three of those guys that were out of this game. So you have only two guys that were on the on the starting unit from Game One this year, mm-hmm. and you have guys total that were not even on the the uh, field for the Super Bowl last year. And because of Mahomes' magic and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, their greatness, we just assumed that it was going to be like a plug-and-play. All right, next man up, move Remmers over to left tackle, move uh, Andrew Wiley from guard to tackle, bring in Stefan Wisniewski, and we'll be all right. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> we weren't all right. They rained down on us and they were mixing things up and pushing th- pushing guys around like like it was nobody's business. So, yeah, it was unfortunate because I think, you know, given some time, Patrick Mahomes has shown that he can make plays against any defensive backfield. But the one thing you can't, you can't do is continually be running for your life, throwing off schedule, uh, rolling left to right. And then still, with all that being said, he – Hit what three guys in their face masks in the end zone to catch to, to yeah. for catchable passes, you know. I mean, with all of that, if you change, if you if you flip over two of those field goals to a touchdown drive, you have an entirely different ball game. Um, so it was missed opportunities. Definitely, the referees. To me, I'm not one of those guys that blames refs, but I will say they were a factor. And anybody that watched the game has to know that that was a factor. And some people say, well, you know, the referees didn't stop you from scoring touchdowns. Well, the referees and some of those calls opened the door for the other team to score touchdowns, opened the door for them mm-hmm. to keep momentum, uh, to keep a drive alive, to, to wear down our defense. Um, and that is a factor. Uh, you can't say people believe, and I believe, the game comes down to like four or five plays in the game. Well, you can't say that officiating 
or bad calls can't be one of a few of those four or five plays. And uh, I think it was pretty evident that in the game that there were some swings and opportunities for us to kind of rise up that didn't happen because of some some error in uh in the flags being thrown. Yeah, it's all about momentum. Yeah. And man, those refs yeah. sucked the momentum out of the Chiefs multiple times and gave it all to Tampa Bay on some of them. Uh, Fred, yeah. you got you got questions? What what's on your mind? I don't uh, I mean I don't want to completely <laughs> box you out here. Oh, I don't know. I'm just like just really enjoying this, you know, what Danian's got to say here, you know, it's just really I don't know. I'm just sitting here in amazement right now that we're, you know, we're talking to a former NFL player, you know, someone who, you know, played with greats, you know, coached by greats. And then, you know, even getting into the, you know, the broadcast booth just is, I think just awesome. I know, um, you know, I guess, you know, question, you know, looking towards the broadcast booth aspect of it, you know, um, you know, after the NFL, like, you know, what kind of, you know, took you in that direction and you know what was your your kind of your passion to to get into that area area yeah you know what after my playing days or during my playing days Derek Thomas had a radio show Marty Schottenheimer used to really encourage all of us to be out in the community do things in the community uh Lamar Hunt the owner as well and then one of those things was a lot of guys had different radio shows Monday night radio shows after the game, kind of, hey, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? You had it in a bar or a club, and, you know, they'd open the doors for everybody. It was kind of like a party, and then they'd have a radio station that would we would be on. And Derek Thomas had it for years, and then he stepped away, and the radio station asked me to be the host. So I stepped into that role while I was playing, doing, still doing a lot of media. I went to college and and, and – uh, I was majored in broadcasting, so it was kind of an interest of mine. And then as soon as I retired, a couple of local TV stations called me to kind of do some Chiefs analysis midweek, you know, pregame, postgame, hey, what do they need to do, keys to victory type of shows. And then I started doing broadcasts for high school football, high school basketball around town, pretty much whatever would get me moving in, in that direction, radio. Mm -hmm stepping in while, while radio hosts were on vacation, stepping in for segments and different things like that. And then I got an opportunity to do Big Ten baseball. Uh, and I did, I started, that was my real first endeavor into the national uh, media was doing uh, Big Ten baseball. And I, and I still do it uh, since the Big Ten network started, what, 11, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And then I got college football, college basketball, and uh, doing Chiefs pregame, postgame shows. And then they had an opening for the color analyst with the Chiefs. And they gave me an opportunity to work with Mitch Holters, who's probably one of the best, if not the best in the business, uh, in the booth. And that was, this is my first year doing it. It was an amazing experience to go to the Super Bowl, to broadcast the Super Bowl. It was funny. I, um, uh, when Marty Schottenheimer, the news was mentioned last week that he was moving into hospice. Uh, I, my, my wife's grandmother had passed away. She was living with us. She had passed away a couple of months ago and my wife was looking through all her, her stuff and, you know, boxes and everything and, and found a couple of articles from when I played against the bills in the mm -hmm. AFC championship back in 90, 93 season, 94 
playoffs. And uh, we and they were the local media. I'm from New Jersey. The local media is at my parents' house in Jersey, and watching them watch us play the Bills. And uh, we lost, obviously. And the quote they quoted me after the game did an interview, and I thought um, my quote was something like, you know, it is definitely disappointing, but I believe we'll be back. And we'll have, you know, we'll have other opportunities as long as we stay together. Well, lo and behold, that never happened. But it was interesting that she found this article. And a week later, I was back at the Super Bowl, but I was in the booth. So it was kind of a, a really cool feeling that something that I thought would happen while I was playing was coming to fruition, but in a different role. But it just so happened to be laid out right in front of me that I said, I'll be back. I think we'll be back, and I was back in this different role. So uh, that was, you know, that one was a little bit emotional for me, just to kind of recognize that I had made it to somewhere that was a goal of mine, and but it wasn't in a uniform. So that was yeah. that was pretty cool. So that was that's what made the entire experience pretty cool last week. I wish I'd have been able to help the team get a victory, but you know, hopefully we'll be back in the future and I'll be able to get it. Yeah, that's from awesome. what I can tell, I think. Uh, I think I think they'll be back again. Let's write a new article, and the uh, yeah, Chiefs will be back. Patrick Mahomes sure ain't going anywhere. <laughs> that, I guess you know what? Just... But I will say this: you got to be careful because, and not you guys, but we have to be careful in, in the expectation because you know there's a lot of people around the Saints, around the Packers, um, around some of the great quarterbacks that have come through the league that automatically thought that they would be back again. They have Hall of Fame quarterbacks, situations where guys stayed healthy, and, you know, the Seattle Seahawks. And, I mean, you can go through the list of probably the next 10 quarterbacks that will probably be in the Hall of Fame, and each one of them probably has only been, besides Tom Brady, has only been in the Super Bowl once, maybe twice. So, yeah. uh you know, kind of going back to those days of in the '90s, where you might have the expectation, you might have the confidence, but you got to cherish every moment, moment, because you never know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, unless your name's Tom Brady, nothing's a guarantee. That's for sure. Yeah, right. boy. <laughs> so then, I guess that leads us now that the season's over. What does the off season look like for the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, cap space is looking weird. It's going to be a COVID cap yeah. looking about 180 million. It's looking tough to try and bump up the offensive line like everyone's saying they need to do. What are we looking at? You know what? I'm one. Of, I'm not a big big conspiracy theorist, but I am. I do have some of those thoughts in my head at times, <laughs> and I've always been the person that says. The, the, the salary cap is smoke and mirrors. I believe it. It's just all smoke and mirrors. Because, And I'll tell you this, and maybe this is too much information, but I'll tell you this, this is my perspective. There's never been a team, there's never been a team that said we can't buy, we can't get a player because we can't afford them. There's never been a team that has not been able to keep a player because they haven't been able to afford them. When you have the ability to restructure Tell guys, hey, you accept this restructure or we'll cut you. Uh, get guys to come in and forego two or three remaining years on their contract just so you can give them a signing bonus that almost equates to what they would have made just to be mm -hmm. cap friendly. Mm -hmm. What, what, Where does a cap exist in all that? 
you know. So uh, you got the Chiefs that can sign Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes to the biggest contract in NFL history and keep them for several years. Like, where is a cap? Like, you know, they'll mm-hmm. when they get to a point where they're paying Patrick Mahomes, like, or they're scheduled to pay Patrick Mahomes $50 million, what are they going to do? Restructure them and add, add years to it and give them a bonus and some other guarantees. So I, I kind of feel like the, the teams are crafty enough to work under any kind of so-called cap. And the day where somebody, the day after a Super Bowl says, so long because we won't be able to afford you next year, that's when I'll believe that there's an actual cap. <laughs> but that won't happen. You know, nobody, nobody uh, you know, Bruce Arians and those guys are not going to say, well, so long, Tom. You know, it was a great year. We're not going to be able to afford you next year. Thanks for winning us the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. So, but I will say this. You did mention about what do the Chiefs do. They have to get offensive line help. You had Colecio Semele, who was a big uh, get this year, who blew out both of his knees against the Raiders early in the season. You don't know how he's going to recover. You have Eric Fisher, who's a Pro Bowl tackle, who blows out his Achilles in the AFC Championship. When he recovers, you don't know if that's going to be during the season or after the season or when into the 2021 season you'll be able to get him back. Um, So you have to address it. And to me, the emphasis will be O-line in the draft. Uh, I do not sleep on the fact that they might go after a wide receiver early if somebody's available because Sammy Sammy Watkins will likely not be back. Mm-hmm. So you need to get a, you need to get somebody that's an up and up and coming number two receiver, um, maybe a bigger body so you can have somebody taller because all the other receivers are small. Um, linebacker to me is a huge huge need on this team. Uh, we don't have the run-stopping, interception kind of guy, and you saw what Devin Smith or Devin White was able to do in the Super Bowl. Uh, and having that kind of young force in the linebacking core can change a defense, and that's what he's doing there. So I'd like to see them go after a linebacker. And um, who knows how that's going to be blended with free agency versus draft. But I will say this, the New England Patriots – for many, many years, were a destination that every free agent seemed to want to go, that that team was a place that was marked on every free agent's list to check into was the Patriots, whether it was because of Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, or whatever. And what you've seen over the past three years is that the Chiefs have kind of taken that role. And whether it was Terrell Suggs last year in in the playoff run to pick him up late, uh, whether it was getting different guys in, uh, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, uh, getting guys to stay signed here. The Chiefs have become a destination because of Andy Reid and because of their winning ways that free agents might take a little less to come to a program that they know that they, they have a really strong chance of getting to the Super Bowl. So I expect there to be a lot of interest in some of those places to fill those holes. Yeah, we yeah. offensive line definitely, and just just for fun because we have very very sports minded fellows in the in our comment sections all the time. Uh, how about a trade 
Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew to Baltimore for Orlando Brown and a first-round pick. How, is, is that too crazy? Well, that's a that's like that's borderline blockbuster. It, it probably is a blockbuster trade. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That that's a lot. Um, on the surface, it doesn't make it, it. It does. It could make sense, but I just kind of feel like with the way this organization is, the way they've kind of built themselves as a family, how they have uh, been overtaken in leadership by Tyron Matthews specifically. I just kind of wonder if they would let those two guys go on the defense. You consider right mm-hmm. before the Super Bowl, when we lost the AFC championship. We let D Ford go, Tom Bahali, Justin Houston, and Eric Berry all go after an AFC championship run where you lose an overtime to Tom Brady. And you get Tyron Matthew, you get Frank Clark, you re-sign Chris Jones. And I just don't see how they would just turn around and say, okay, let's let's get those guys off for mm. the leadership. You know, but you know what? A first round pick is a first round pick. And I guess it would depend on where that first round pick positioning was. Um we've seen crazier things. <laughs> yeah, if it was yeah, if it was Baltimore, I mean twenty seventh. 27 that's not that's not that attractive it is first round but still yeah it's not that great um fred yeah off-season questions any other questions see where we're see where we're leading here because i know i got at least two more questions should be pretty quick on this, but <laughs> I, I we'll, can't let, think yeah, we'll let you lose soon we don't want to keep you all night <laughs> apologize i can't think oh, of right. anything so <laughs> all right well I, I kind of do want to get your opinion because the wrong named uh, Dylan comes in here. He spells his name wrong. It's fine. We, we've all accepted it. Um, he, he's sick of people dissing on his boy, Carson Wentz. You know, he's, he's just bad offensive line. He'll, he'll blame it on anyone but Carson Wentz. Where do you see Carson going? Do you have an opinion on Carson Wentz? There's been a lot of stuff in the news. I don't really listen to any of it until stuff is said and done. But uh, yeah. Carson Wentz... Oh boy, with the Bears, the Colts. You know what? I could see either of those places. One, because of Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson, their relationship going back to coaching together in Kansas City. Uh, Doug Peterson, I guess you could say that they've garnered within their relationship, garnered at least enough to be truthful and honest with each other. And if Doug believed that Carson One still had a lot of gas left in his tank, and he was a product of a bad O-line or a system that just didn't happen to work for him based on the weapon, but still had some magic left in his arm, I would bet that the the, uh, the, uh, gosh, the Chicago Bears would be one of the first teams to step in if there was some realness to Carson Wentz and let what's left. Now, Doug Peterson could also be like, you know what? He, he's the quarterback. I had to keep him. We had a high tag. He's getting paid a lot of guaranteed money, but I wouldn't trade for him. Then I don't think the Brown, the Bears would would step in. Uh, I do think his time is done in Philly. He needs to go elsewhere. Uh, would not surprise me that if Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts would go after a older quarterback and then and then draft somebody, um, kind of trying to follow the mold of what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs did behind Alex Smith. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a copy. It's a copycat league, so teams will do things to try to emulate what other teams have done really well. But they they would need an older guy, and I'm surprised that they didn't go after a younger guy this year to be behind Philip Rivers. Um, that would have been a smart thing, but now they have Jacoby Brissett, a free agent, as well as Philip Rivers retiring. So you, your cupboard is bare there in Indianapolis. So Carson Wentz there wouldn't be. Uh, they probably they got some money. Um, they don't have a big quarterback that they've spent a top round pick on or have a lot of money invested in. So to bring him in with his contract and possibly restructure could be a way for Carson Wentz to get out of Philly. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough that I call Missouri Valley football games in college. So I, I've seen Carson Wentz at work since he was a freshman at North Dakota State. Always knew he had some something to get him at, at the next level. He showed it. As long as he stays healthy and gets around a, a good system, I think he's still got some gas left. Do you get that same feeling from uh, Trey Lance up there? Absolutely. I do think so. I think not playing a full season as a senior uh, could hurt him. I mean, you, you're thinking about he played, what, one game in September mm-hmm. or October? And now one you're going almost a full three year three quarters of a year before you'll be actually back on the field with other NFL or other, other ca- NFL caliber players. Uh, that could be a little bit of a, a drought, but I think he, you know, I, what I saw from him, I called his game last year again, or two years ago against um, Youngstown state and Bo Pelini's defense. And the fact that he didn't throw any interceptions that year, um, and how he managed the ball, knew how to run, but wasn't just a running quarterback, I was really impressed. I think he'll make a splash at the next level. Very excited for – there's quarterbacks all over the draft board this year. It's going to be a great, yeah. great draft this year. So we, yep. one final question. We just we have to get this one on record. We've asked all, all right. of our guests in 2021 – it's just something I'm surprised they're not in the comments asking for. Maybe they forgot. They moved on. We have not. We will not move on. All right. We need the answer to the question, pie or cake? Ooh. So I am a very, very picky eater. I'm not a healthy eater at all, but I'm a very picky eater. And I only like two pies, apple and peach. And I only like one cake. Yellow with chocolate frosting. Oh, I guess I gotta go. I gotta go for the two two for, and since I like two types of pies, I guess I'll say pie. All right. The consensus is mostly pie. I think we had one guest say cake so far, so I think we're we're heavy leaning pie, but a peach pie. I don't. I've never had a peach pie. Oh my gosh, bro! You gotta you gotta partake. You gotta partake of it. Yeah, one. I guess what what your, season your is might, that? Your teeth might be hurting afterwards. Your teeth <laughs> might be hurting afterwards because it's so it's so sweet. But you you'll you'll be impressed. Peach pie is on top on the money. What what Thanks. season am I going to find a good peach pie? Is that like a fall thing, summer? I've never come upon a season where I didn't find one. They they have them in all the stores. You guys got a Walmart up there. I'm sure there's a peach pie. Um, there's actually. A peach apple pie that's Whoa. out there comp that that really does some damage uh so you get the best of both worlds there with the combo pie 
So you might be able to check that out in uh, your local Walmart. They have those. See, I'm, I'm schooling you guys on stuff. We thought this was about football. I'm getting you some, <laughs> some sweets. There you go. I think I learned more about pie. I'm not sure what I learned more about in this segment. Jeez. Um, yeah, a peach pie. It's on the list now. It's official. I'm more of like a chocolate guy more than a fruit guy. Like you said, unhealthy. I'm, I'm unhealthy from head to toe, so I normally go like the chocolate cream route. But Well, I want to I I hear about your endeavor into the, into the fruit pies uh, via Twitter. So shoot, hit me up on Twitter. When you get to partake of a peach pie, or an apple pie, let me know your experience. 100%, without a doubt, as soon as I find that peach pie, especially if I find that peach-apple combo, 100%, yeah, we'll hit you up. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Well, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This has been a blast, an absolute thrill, and and a first for our show. We've been around Mm -hmm. for over two years, never had a former uh, professional athlete on, so this has just been... And this has been a dream come true. So we can't mm-hmm. thank you enough. No problem, man. Happy to be here. And you know, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. I'm glad I had time to do it. Yeah, we're thank glad you very too. much. <laughs> well, thank you. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for sacrificing 46 minutes of your night. Appreciate it very much. And go Chiefs 2021. Let's go. Appreciate it, man. You guys be safe. You Thanks. too. You too. Oh, I kind of forgot. There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was fun. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That was awesome. Thumbs up from Strikeout Beer. There you go. Jameson had a bunch of comments that oh, yeah. I do want to read. I do want to okay. read. Because these are, a, there's a, I was, I was kind of giving them the side eye over here, seeing what he was putting down. <laughs> Whoo. Oh, man. Eric White came in for a little while. I don't know if yeah. Eric's still here. But yeah, I did like you like like uh Dane and Dane and said those balls were just hitting them in the face, Max. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Yeah. What, and I, I kinda agree with who I was it um was it this comment? I expect yeah. I I honestly think the reason those wide receivers didn't catch some of those balls that hit him in the face mm-hmm. was I don't think they expected the ball to hit them in the face because some of the angles he was throwing those balls. Oh from. yeah. They see Patrick Mahomes like vertical, horizontal with the ground, and they're like, "Ah, I'm not. There's not going to be a. Oh God, he, he, threw, he threw the ball. How did that happen? Oh my. Okay. Yeah, I saw this one was interesting. If the refs called last year's Super Bowl like this year, the Chiefs wouldn't have won the Super Bowl because they were holding all game. I, I think between last year and they carried into this year mm. with holdings. In the offensive line, in the trenches, they've called that a lot less. Mm-hmm. So with the trend of how last season went, they definitely weren't going to call those holds. But I do remember last year yeah. some of those, some of those plays, and you where you could have had those holds. I think it was on the Tyreek Hill catch that like virtually won them the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bosa was coming right up the middle, and he was held obviously, and probably would right. have gotten the Patrick Mahomes if he wasn't held. Yeah. So I get where Jameson's coming from. Mm-hmm. Def- I definitely understand that. But it was two different Super Bowls. One where they kept the flags in their pockets and one where they threw them. It depends on the crew. I mean, I don't yeah. Could some of those penalties not been called? Sure. I, you know, I hate it. I just don't like when 
because the the referee that threw a lot of those flags in the Seahawks Steelers Super Bowl mm-hmm. back in 05. Yeah. That's when, I became, that's when I became a fan. When they lost that game virtually because of penalties, it was kind of like this year for the Chiefs. Penalties killed the Seahawks because it killed mm-hmm. their momentum. Anytime the Seahawks had a big play, it was called back with a penalty. Every time. Mm-hmm. Just this past couple of months, I don't remember what month it was, maybe it was even weeks ago, the referee who kept throwing those flags came out in an interview and said, I wish I wouldn't have thrown some of those flags because they were game-changing flags. Right. And you'd never want to be a ref that throws a flag that is game changing in a game like this. Obviously, you can't mm-hmm. let some things fly, but if it's something stupid like like the end zone penalty, I that one that's the one penalty where I looked at it and went, that probably that you didn't need to throw that flag that put the Patriots on the one yard line. Right. So that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of go to the point where you say, you know, different, you know, different crews are going to, you know, officiate a game differently. And I thought it was extremely interesting that they were so, they seemed to be more strict in the Super Bowl um, than they were in any of the games in the playoffs. Yeah. There was a Um, lot of games in the playoffs that were just like, let them play. And no flags were thrown. Yeah. Then you get to this, like, what happened? It's like they're like, oh well, this is the biggest game of the year, so they they gotta be on their 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 best, you know, their best playing ability. They got used to it for the past three weeks when you didn't call flags, so it's gonna happen. Yeah, early in that game, I kind of just said to myself, like the the Chiefs are the Chiefs are doing what the Seahawks used to do with the Legion of Boom. Mm-hmm. They would just harass wide receivers because mm-hmm. they knew. Well, the refs aren't going to throw the flag every play. If they throw it every once in a while, we'll live with it. But we're going to get very right. physical. Well, I think that's what the Chiefs tried to do, but the refs threw it on every play instead, <laughs> which, which most teams wouldn't think they do. But guess what? They did. Oh, my yeah. God. That's not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> Pat Mahomes is something else. Yes, he is. That man is that man is something. Um, Carson Wentz to Indy. I, I think I get the Bears thing. Mm-hmm. I just think the Colts need him more, and I think the Colts could give up more to get Carson. I know the Eagles might want Nick Foles back, but I don't know what these packages look like. I don't, I don't like right. doing this because we've heard, we've heard. It, I, this is like my one, like Dylan posted something about this mm-hmm. um, earlier today about you know this this reporter over here says he has a source saying he's 100% going to the bears and then this guy says he has a source saying he's going 100% to the colts and then this person comes in and says, oh there's a mystery third team that might get him i think it i think we have to pass a law that says if you have a source you need to name it cuz i think these people are just going well my my uncle rick said there's a really good idea here where the bears could trade these people to get carson Wentz. it's a done deal he's my source like, uncle rick's not a source you know that's what it feels like sometimes. It's an opinion. It's like this mystery third team. It's like, well, my 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 cousin Bobby, he said the the 49ers might be interested. Like that's not a source. Get out get out of here. That's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah. No, I yeah, I get it. Yeah. Jimmy G to Chicago or New England. I feel like New England's he's got to go home. Cam Newton in Washington, couple back with Ron. Okay. All right. Interesting. I get it. I think Cam Newton's washed up. He should just be done. That's my personal opinion. I don't yeah. think he should be anywhere, but that's that's fine. That's fine. 
Sam Darnold's a Kyle. Yeah, see those the Jets. You know, Jets 49ers swap would be interesting. Jimmy G go to yeah. Jets. I don't know, maybe. Lawrence is obviously going to Jacksonville. Justin Fields to New York. Wilson to Atlanta. Who's Wilson? Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach um, Wilson, that's right. Yeah, quarterback for BYU. BYU, yeah. To Atlanta, then Trey Lance to Carolina. Interesting. Trey yeah. Lance, all right. That's what? One, two, three, four quarterbacks in the first seven picks? Could be. I guess it's Could not be. crazy. It, no, it's not. No, really not. I mean, I, I don't know. I, Atlanta's just... I thought that's what Atlanta was going to do last year. Mm-hmm. I was shocked when Atlanta came out of the draft without a quarterback. Right. My mind was blown. Like, what are you doing? You have Matt Ryan, who's high 30s. I'm not sure of his exact age. 37, 38. He's got to be right there with Stafford. He's he's old. Yeah. Virtually. Like, and you're not, you're not, you can obviously see a decline with Matt Ryan, but you're not going to start bringing in a backup yet. You have nobody. Their backup was Matt Schaub, who had to retire because he's older than Matt. He was he was older than Matt Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. That was need weird. something there. Thirty five. Matt Ryan's thirty five. Still, you can obviously see a decline. Not everybody lasts forever. There comes a point where where everyone has to go. <laughs> oh, there's other sports here, but I don't really. Yeah. There's COVID. There's COVID yeah. in hockey. There you go. There's, <laughs> yeah. There's your other sport. <laughs> we covered we covered a couple of pieces of NFL news during our uh, our time with Danon. Mm-hmm. But there is some other stuff in here we didn't get to. Yeah. Ugh. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said informed President Joe Biden that all 32 stadiums will be available as vaccination sites. Yeah. I never been more excited to get a vaccination. Right. I'm gonna drive it's my. Good. I'm gonna drive to Buffalo. There you go. Vaccination. <laughs> can Josh Allen stick me in the arm? <laughs> Let's do it. How hard can it be? Just put a mask on him. Get some gloves on. Come on, Josh. Stick me in the arm. Let's do it. Oh, could you imagine? That'd be I'm all funny. for it. I'm all for it. Let's do it. Like, is is all 32 stadiums available as vaccination sites for both? vaccine shots though or just like the first one you gotta get the second one no i believe it would be as both okay like this isn't like a one-time thing as a vaccination site and you know there's been there's already a few stadiums that are set up as vaccination sites and then you know before the super bowl roger goodell is like no we're gonna make you know all 32 uh 32 stadiums um you know available to you know whoever is setting up these vaccination sites you know this is an option. I mean, it's, I, I, I get it. It's cool. Very good. Mm-hmm. Set it up big area. Yep. Um, and it may, I, normally these stadiums are centralized in a downtown area. So it gives everywhere, right. it gives people a place to go. It's not like you're shoving your entire downtown into like an emergency room or wherever. Right. That's the purpose of opening these stadiums up for his vaccination sites. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. So good on the NFL. Let's see if anyone else, you know, let's let's open up baseball stadiums too. Let's do it all. Come on. Let's, Everywhere. let's all get in on the party. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the stadiums are being used in baseball now, though. Is, yeah, is baseball true. starting? When does that start? Um, where's Brandon Combs? Where, where's he at? Oh, I was talking to somebody the other day about it. 
They are beginning of April is their official start date. Oh, God, we still got a while. We still got a little bit there, yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah. Andy Reid's son was put on administrative leave. He should, oh. go to, he should go to jail. Yeah. He's a piece of human garbage. I haven't. I had uh, I hadn't heard anything if um, you know the the little girls doing any better, still fighting for her life. But that's uh, that's a tough, a tough situation there. Yeah, the most recent update I still have right here says that she she was left in critical condition, and that's all I'm still seeing. So, mm. still critical condition, and he was driving drunk. I, I love how they worded some of those tweets in the news about Andy Reid's son. They're like, oh, he had some drinks and then got in a car and then got in an accident. He was drunk driving. It was they, he they, right. just call it what it is. Stop saying yeah. stop, try, stop trying to word it nicely. Yeah. God. Yeah, it's that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the passing of Marty Schottenheimer. Very cool stories and just a breakdown from Danon who Yeah. Marty was the head coach when Danon was with the Chiefs. How cool is that? That is really cool. You know, just a, yeah, that, that right there on the screen, someone who, you know, had a, rela- a relationship with that head coach and, you know, just, I don't know. I'm just, I still think it's like just <laughs> super cool. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like how I was in the entire playoffs for the Bills. You know, I'm just happy to be here. Just kind of <laughs> long, long for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy to be here, just here so I don't get fined. I'm just <laughs> Yeah, and oh. Oh, Jameson said he was high on Adderall as well. Piece of Makes piece of human worse. garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh he was a Browns, Chiefs, and Chargers head coach, seventh winningest winningest coach in NFL history. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at his uh coaching history mm-hmm. um on Wikipedia, just running yeah. down his all of his seasons. And it's mm-hmm. like there was this one column where it would like if it was if it showed when they, if they made the playoffs like how far they made it or like where what round they lost in like every single one there was like a couple of blank ones because if they didn't make the playoffs it was blank but mm-hmm. if they did make the playoffs it was filled in with something every single one was like filled in with something this dude made the playoffs like it was his like like it was his job obviously it was his job I don't know what <laughs> right. else to say but he was in the playoffs almost every year yeah this dude knew what he was doing yeah he did. Gosh, well, we've had three three people pass in the past two days. It's yeah, very sad. Plus another, you know, another podcaster, um, NFL Network analyst. You know the uh, oh, from around night. the NFL, around the NFL. Yeah, that was what last Friday or Saturday. That was on a Friday. Yeah, and they <laughs> broke the news on Saturday. He, he, he. You know, Chris Wessling. He was. You know, it was a second time around with cancer. Um, he just had a baby, you know, this past mm. fall. So it's, you know, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a show I listen to a lot, and it, you know, it just, it, yeah, it just breaks your heart to hear that. You know, you, you're you're really pulling for him, and it just uh, went downhill real quick. Not, it, yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough couple of days in the world of sports. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Uh, we talked about Carson Wentz a lot. Trade talks, but do that. I'm just going mm-hmm. through my list of notes over here. Yeah, Darren, what's going on, man? You missed the good part of the show, but welcome in anyways. You got you got to make sure you listen to the podcast or rewatch this when we're done being live. 
Yeah, that was a great because I think you might know who Danon is. He played when you were watching. Probably. Oh yeah, yeah, you might know. Danon, he was with the Chiefs. What ninety three through ninety eight? Yep. Um, Jameson said another one died. A Yahoo reporter died today. Was that the yeah the per, um Perez Taylor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. Was, also, uh... he was mentioned by uh, Danon. Yeah insane yeah and he was only what 35 35 37 somewhere around there yeah Yeah. super young insane darren knows the name oh nice he knows who dana hughes is he was our guest in the first hour he was great that was a great interview um what else we got over here the houston texans will not trade deshaun watson they're basically refusing to i don't know how this ends a lot of (laughs) A lot of people that I watch, like Dan Patrick, a couple other mm-hmm. shows, like Rich Eisen show, a lot of the people I watch really think that Deshaun Watson will not be traded. Yeah. Like, if he doesn't want to show up, then fine, don't show up. I don't mm-hmm. think, because the Texans aren't going to win this year anyways, whether they trade him or not. So it's just going right. to be a fact if Deshaun Watson's really going to have the nuts to just sit out the entire season. Mm-hmm. So it's all on Watson right now. Because if the Texans are going to play hardball and just say, hey, if you want to sit out, sit out, Godspeed, whatever you want to do. We're not right. gonna win. We're not gonna win with you. We're not gonna win without you. So, <laughs> so might as well just sit there yeah. and do nothing. Yeah, so I, I think that's the that's the road with Deshaun Watson has to take though. If he's yeah, if he wants to be, he's requesting a trade and they're saying no, then he's got to stay. He's got to stick to it. And you know, all right, I'm not playing then. Like, how awkward is that going to be at this point? With everything said, all this going on, everything that even teammates have said, the teammates have been coming out into the media and saying he needs to be traded. Mm-hmm. Team uh, players from other teams are saying he needs to get out of Houston, and then <laughs> I, I I kind of agree with everything everyone. I don't think he's going to be traded. What do the Texans yeah. have to lose at this point? Well, he's just going to sit out. And then okay, fine, sit out. You're not going to get paid. We're not going to win. Whatever, mm-hmm. just have fun and you know have your hissy fit in the side. Whatever, but you're still our quarterback. Yeah, I yeah. I, I kind of agree with everyone. I. And maybe Deshaun goes a couple games without pay- playing, but if he doesn't get traded by the trade deadline, maybe he says, okay, fine, I'll come back. Maybe. Or he sits out the whole year. Either way. I really want to see that. I want to see him do it. Sit out the entire year? Yep. I don't think he has the balls to do it. I would I, I would like to see it happen. Just like, Not- let's, have, let's have a Deshaun tracker. There let's we go. See, <laughs> let's see how long he sits out. He has enough money by now. He doesn't need to play this season. He'll be fine. If I was watching, I'd retire. Wow. Wow. Well, what if you retire and well, then you start if you come back, you're still under contract. Like that's what happened with Gronkowski. Right. So. Yep. Still, he he would lose. Still, he definitely wants to play more. I don't think Mm. he's like he's not going to Andrew Luckett and retire and not come back at all. Some people said that dude was coming back. Someone made like a fake text chain or something like saying he's going to come back. Stop. Leave Andrew Luck alone. Let him be himself outside of football. Yeah, leave leave him alone. Um, speaking of people that need to be left alone, <laughs> <laughs> Russell Wilson and his camp have voiced their concerns over how often he's being hit. Almost 400 sacks and countless hits over the past nine seasons. And Russell Wilson has also stated that he would like to become more involved in the drafting slash free agency process, basically who they bring into the team. He'd like to be more of a part of that. 
Yeah. He said this on Dan Patrick this morning. I watched Dan Patrick. I watched the mm-hmm. interview. It's not as serious as people are making it out to be, you know, <laughs> like, right. Like Russell Wilson didn't come out and say like, here you go, everyone. Like this is, this is the part where you clip it and send it to all your friends and share this right here. Like this, this is the part where I, like I saw this. I'm, I'm not just going on social media and seeing like he said, I want to be a part of this. Like, that's not how this went. He's like, all right. He's his no, just normal Russell Wilson self. Dan Patrick pressed the question. He asked him like three times, do you want to be a part of the process? He's like, he just kind of cracked and finally said, yeah, you know, I mean, it'd be nice to know like if they got my opinion on things, see who we bring in. Like it was very laid back. It's not like he mm-hmm. demanded he wants to be part of the process. So we can all calm down there. Mm-hmm. With him getting hit, obviously that's a major concern. And then there's people calling the Seahawks about trade offers. The Seahawks are, hang- are just hanging up the phone. That's not going to happen. This is the Russell Wilson stuff is being way blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I want to say about this because this has been talked about a lot the past two days. I think we all need to pump the brakes a little bit. Russell's okay. This is a very important year. Whatever happens this year, I think next year we can start talking about some crazy stuff. We can all pump the brakes at least a little bit on 2021. <laughs> it's my opinion. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, you know, we laid back it is, you know, I, I don't think of it, you know, like you said, it's not like he's like demanding it. He's like, Hey, just let me know who you guys are getting. So I don't go out on the field and say, Hey, who's that guy? And who's that guy? And who's that guy? And where'd he go? Like, yeah, what happened to Dwayne Brown? I thought he was my left tackle. Wait a minute. Right. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> he's been, this is going to be his 10th season. He already had, he, he, he supposedly already had a big influence on who the offensive coordinator was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously he said he wanted to be a big part of that search and he was right. So if he's going to be a part of like the free agency process or maybe a draft pick, they only have four draft picks. How much of a big influence can you be? <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. Leave him alone. That's what I just want to say. I mean, it, let's let's not make a big deal out of this. All right, let's all let's all take a step back. Uh, I'm not saying stay retired, but just make it clear he's not playing again for Houston. I mean, even if he came back, he's still under contract, and the Houston Texans just be like, "All right, you're back from retirement. Welcome back." I mean, that's basically what they would do. <laughs> Welcome so, back. Your spot on the bench is open right here. <laughs> so, I don't think retiring is the right answer. Yeah, unfortunately, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, stick it to Houston. But if you just sit out mm-hmm. and, you know, it's the same thing. You don't have to fully retire. Uh, we have our 2021 Hall of Fame class. We actually have a football 2021 Hall of Fame class. Suck at baseball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, we actually have good players in football that get into the Hall of Fame. on like baseball, not even letting people like Barry Bonds in. I don't think you should probably get in. I, don't know. I, I could just sit here and I could that one seems a little it. on the iffy side. <laughs> <laughs> so we have offensive lineman Alan Fanica. 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 Damn. All right. Fanica. <laughs> I tried. Head coach Tom Flores. Yep. No relation to Brian Flores, I don't think. No. Wide receiver Calvin Johnson. I'll come back to that one. Safety John Lynch. Amazing addition. Quarterback Peyton Manning, obviously. Scout Bill Nunn. I don't know who that is. The name kind of rings a bell, but mm-hmm. not like Hall of Fame rings a bell. Like, oh, yeah, Bill Nunn. Right. Wide receiver Drew Pearson, very deserving. And defensive back, obviously, Charles Woodson, 100%. Mm-hmm. Calvin Johnson. I'm not mad. 
he he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And if right. he would have had to wait a year or two and still get in, then fine. Like either way, he was getting in no matter what. Like first ballot. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. That just tells you how dominant he was in a short period of time to get right. first ballot Hall of Famer Calvin Johnson. This opens up the door for Andrew Luck becoming a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, like before, people are like, "Well, Andrew Luck didn't play for very long. He didn't. He didn't make a Super Bowl. He didn't like. He didn't crazily succeed, but he dominated when he was in the league. He was a very, very talented quarterback when he played, and then he retired due to an injury." Calvin Johnson didn't play for very long, didn't even have a thousand catches, but he was dominant for the time he played. Yep. So I, Andrew Luck's a Hall of Famer now, in my opinion. It might not be first ballot because he, I think Andrew Luck played less than less time than Calvin Johnson. It might yeah. not be first ballot for Andrew Luck, but I think he will definitely get in now because you can't you can't say well if Calvin Johnson's a first ballot Hall of Famer but had a short career, not even a thousand catches. Well, what's stopping? a great talent for a short period of time, like Andrew Luck from getting in the hall of fame. Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I don't know. I think they could have, you know, not have taken Colin Johnson this year for sure. You know, there's been some other receivers or special teamers that have been waiting for a little bit longer. Um, but you know, I get it. I get the, you know, that's a big name that we had, you know, as granted it was only for a short amount of time, but you know, he clearly made an impact in the NFL. You know, I think that's, you know, I think that was the pushing point and, you know, what makes him a hall of famers, you know, what is your impact on the game? What is your impact in the NFL? And, you know, how did you change the game? And his, his play style, his size, his physicality, mm-hmm. his speed, just mm-hmm. everything, everything he did. He was just a prototype, a new prototype for wide receivers. You can be fast and big and just be uncoverable. And that's yeah. what he brought to the NFL. And that now we got people like DK Metcalf. They're just building themselves differently. Yep. You know, people that would usually be tight ends and probably blocking are now looked at as big targets. Right. As wide receivers. So that's what that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Not saying he was the first one to ever do it, but he just he yeah. This is the first one to probably dominate doing it. Right. All right. And then the NFL honors. Ladies and gentlemen, your NFL honors. Offensive rookie of the year, Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert. Well deserved. Yeah, I I'm fine with that. I don't understand why people are so upset. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Like people are like people are screaming that Justin Jefferson should have got it. Like he had yeah. a very good year. It's not like he broke yeah. records. I mean, it was very impressive. But did you see what Justin Herbert did this year? He broke yeah. the rookie passing touchdown record in like week fifteen. <laughs> Wasn't even the whole year, <laughs> and he didn't even. Yeah, and he didn't even come in until what week three? Week two. Week two. Come yeah. On. So that's only fourteen weeks. He broke the passing touchdown record for rookie. Stop. Mm-hmm. Stop it. <laughs> he he was very deserving of this award. Uh, defensive rookie of the year was Chase Young. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see it. You know, I thought Winfield had a very good year. Ooh, that would have been a really good one too. Jeremy Chin had a very good year. I think Jeremy Chin had splashes. He didn't have a great year. Right. He like showed I, up a lot, like a game here and there. Mm-hmm. So, 
And, but I think with Chase Young, just big name, everyone knew who he was. Washington right. was a great story this year. I'm fine with it. I'm not. I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. I would like to see what the votes were for other people. I didn't look that up. Yeah, but. that'd be interesting. Offensive player of the year was Derrick Henry. Dude rushed for over two thousand yards. I don't know how you give it to anyone else. Yeah. I, I I was sitting here trying to think of somebody else that you could give that award to. I who who else had anything comparable to a two thousand yard rushing season, and especially to hit that mark by running for like two hundred seventy yards in the last game. What? Right. I mean, come on. Because <laughs> before week seventeen, I was like, I was keeping track of Derrick Henry to see if he could get two thousand yards, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this guy needs like two hundred and fifty yards. There's. It would have been nice for him to get 2,000 yards on the season, but there's no way he's rushing for... Oh, he rushed for two... Oh, okay. By, like, the third quarter? Oh, okay. (laughs) Shit. Okay. Great. Congratulations. (laughs) Man, the big one was Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald. Mm -hmm. People are pissed. Yeah, they are. This is your classic debate of high profile athlete who dominates his position over a guy who had an extraordinary year that probably should have got this year's award, but got beaten out by a guy who's just like normally like beyond human every year. Mm-hmm. Not might not have had better stats or had a more dominant season, but just because he's who he is, he beats you out. That's how I look right. at it. Yeah. TJ Watt was a monster this year. Mm-hmm. But you can't just look at stats. You have a pass rushing linebacker, outside linebacker, edge, whatever he is in that defense. I don't know what he is. Right. Against an interior defensive lineman who had 13 and a half sacks. I, you can't, yeah. you just can't compare stats. People, this is what people need to get through their heads. You can't because that's what the graphic going around was. It was comparing TJ's stats to Aaron Donald's stats. Yeah, no kidding. He has more passes defended. He's a freaking linebacker. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald's not going dropping back for de- and to go play defense in the backfield. That's not going to happen. Obviously, he's going to have more of those. Right. Obviously, TJ has more interceptions. Aaron Donald's not going to drop back and catch an interception. You can't compare stats. Mm-hmm. You have to look at what they did. Like play by play, look at the games. You have to see what they did. And Aaron Donald constantly getting double and triple teamed every, every game, double, triple yeah. team, every snap almost. And, you know, TJ gets double teamed every once in a while, but most of the time he's not. He might, he might get chipped by a running back. He had a great year. Should right. he have gotten it? Sure. I would not have been mad. But Aaron Donald is just a different human being. And if he won Defensive Player of the Year every year for the next 10 years, I can't say anything. <laughs> because he's just an absolute monster. Yeah. I think just the fact that he had 13 and a half sacks as an interior lineman. Unheard of. Like, okay, he at what at, when he's lining up, he's at not not looking at if not two, but three linemen in, in his way. TJ Watt is on the outside and has to, you know, they, they run, you know, they, they bull rush the tackle. They're one on one, it seems like, for the most part. You know, you get a tight end chip or running back chip. Fullback uh, comes up and, you know, helps the tackle out occasionally. They're running, trying to run around them. Aaron Donald ran through them. 
He's pushing 330 pound guards and tackles into yeah. the quarterback, like putting yeah. them in their lap. Yeah. Like, I think that makes the, I think that just solidifies the case right there for Aaron Donald for me. Like, think of the position that they're in, you know, what they're playing and what they're doing on a daily basis. I, I get TJ Watt had great stats, but, you know, could he have won it? Sure. You know, it would have been nothing out of the ordinary for me to see, but, you know, I, I think you have to give it to Aaron Donald. Like I said, if he gets it like every, if he, as long as he gets the mm-hmm. double digit sacks every year, I think he gets it just because of who he is at this point. Right. I, I, if T, I think the only thing that'll surplant Aaron Donald as a defensive player of the year is if a, if somebody, anyone gets 20 plus sacks. Yep. You know, linebacker, edge rusher, whatever it is. If they get 20 plus sacks, okay, give them the award. That, that, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with that. But as long as Aaron Donald's doing what he's doing, he'll probably get it every year. So just, Buckle yeah. up, folks. <laughs> uh, where, where we leave off? Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award went to Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. <laughs> DraftKings <laughs> Breakout Daily Fantasy Player of the Year was Josh Allen. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, you fantasy- have something to say here. Okay. Well, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, that was probably like the number one quarterback to have this year. Yeah. You know, not even just real field stats, but you know, fantasy stats was insane, but especially yeah. daily fantasy. I mean, that guy just showed up like and it's, 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 and it's a breakout too. Cause last right. year it's like, you know, hit or miss this mm-hmm. year. It was like, he was the guy to have like, like yeah. to be one breakout mm-hmm. is what the kids, the key word here. Right. Hey, let's follow that up with assistant coach of the year, Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable, who will be back right. next year. He will be back next year. He survived. He survived. Who would have thought? I didn't think. I but yeah, I thought he that was Paul leaving. Rudd meme. What is it? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> who thought we'd be here? Not me. <laughs> That's what Brian Dable is saying to uh, to. Oh, uh, What's the head coach's name? Jesus. Sean, Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott. <laughs> They're sitting down at the table. Who would have thought we'd be here? Not me. <laughs> Who would have thought? Oh. Crazy year. Uh, coach of the year was Kevin Stefanski. That's makes complete sense. Browns had a great year. Bounce back year. I mean, did, did you have, yeah. another, did you have another pick? Did, did you want Sean McDermott? You wanted, Sean I would have taken Sean McDermott. <laughs> You got assistant coach of the year. Hey, come Be happy on. with it. I, I get the Stefanski pick here, and it makes sense. You know, turning an organization around that looked like absolute garbage last year with Freddie yeah. Kitchens. Um, I'm glad I went to Stefanski and not Brian Flores after that oh, quarterback debacle that we saw this year with Tua and Fitz and Fitz Magic at the same time. Yeah. Um, would have loved to see McDermott there. I think he's oh, not why? Only, because he's done it year after year. I mean, but Bill, he, Bill Belichick did it year after year. I don't think this award's meant for people that do it year after year. I think this award's meant for like head coaches that can turn a franchise around. That's what it's usually meant for. Because right. if it was like who does it year in and year out, Bill Belichick would have gotten it like 50 years in a well, row. Yeah. Okay. So if it's something they've done this year, then, you know, McDermott took the next step. For the yeah. Bills organization, because last year was you know an exit in the wild card, you know, with a team looking like garbage, to a team that takes the division, um, gets the number two seed, thirteen three record, 
and makes it all the way to the ASC championship game. Like that's well, that argument. Know. I will accept it then. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> they won the division. Big mm-hmm. deal. Beat the Patriots. 13 and three second seed AFC championship game. That all makes sense. Right. I would agree with that, but taking a team, what were the, what were the Brown? The Browns looked like they were ready to do oh, yeah. on themselves. And then they make it to the division, divisional round. They lost in. Yeah. Right. Divisional round. So they both were very impressive. Yeah. But sorry. Stefanski beats them out. That's okay. I thought Pete Carroll should have got it. You know, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> Comeback player of the year. Um, just, just name the award after him. Yeah, Alex Alex Smith obviously almost died. Yeah. If somebody if somebody comes in here and says Ben Roethlisberger should have got it, I'll block you. <laughs> I will literally throw the I'll throw the ban hammer down on you. Oh, did you see Straight that they like up. played the like uh, the video for him? Like they did like a like Joe Theismann did like narrated like a video when they presented him with the award. I didn't watch the ceremony at all. It so was like, no. I kept seeing a clip on like Facebook and social media in general, but it was like he was like watching a video of like Joe Theismann going through the same injury, and then it was like you know back and forth between Theismann and then um, you know being on the field, but then you know it would be clips of like what Alex Smith, you know, all his, you know, it was clips from like basically Project Eleven, um, you know, all his rehab that he did, you know, just you know the the journey he came through, journey he you know in. in Debbard there. Um, but I just thought it was a really nice touch there that they, you know, they kind of, those two are kind of linked at, you know, in some capacity and that they, uh, you know, were able to incorporate that and in giving him this a comeback at player of the year award. Yeah. Wasn't it like the same day, same yard line, same team, same everything? Yeah. That's spooky. So if I'm if I'm you know however many years ago that was to the day, mm-hmm. if I'm the Washington quarterback and we're playing that same day, like what is it like whatever the number is twenty years time, from now, yeah. I'm 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 taking a seat that day, coach. I, I'm not feeling good. I got to sit this day out. I'm not get. I'm not going out there. Hell no. <laughs> you're in the game and then you get to that yard line and like, nope, I nope, take I'm a, done. Take a knee. Nope, sub, sub me out. <laughs> take a knee so you're like one yard back. Or just like go into the fetal position. Well, that you go to the fetal position, you exit like some guy like pile drives you and like breaks your neck or something. Like it, you just you can't be uh, on the field that drive. You just got to get off the field. Yeah. And and then uh, MVP, obviously Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Had a great year. He did have a great year. Forty-four votes, and then it was Josh Allen with four, and Patrick Mahomes with two. That's what surprised me the most there is that Josh Allen had four and Mahomes only had two. Did Mahomes really have an MVP season though? No, the answer is no. I don't think so. No. It was a, it was a, it was a it was a Mahomes season, you know. Right. It was, it was and, good. But yeah, and we kind of heard from Danon though too, like you know, the Chiefs won a lot of close games and you everyone thought they're playing, you know, in coast mode half the time. Mm, I don't know. I think that's, you know, I think that was you know, Mahomes still being able to show that he's good, but he clearly showed he's a young quarterback in the Super Bowl. They yeah. saw on Sunday, and I think, you know, maybe he was just you know a little extra relaxed and you know on the field this season. So, 
you know, if he really wanted it, maybe he should have tried a little harder. Maybe he was trying harder and just didn't pan out. I don't know. But that, I think that's just something that, you know, there was at least a, in the tier of voting there, I kind of thought that was interesting that it was Josh Allen over Mahomes. Yeah, I think the thing with Patrick is an experienced quarterback in that Super Bowl would have realized it's time to stop throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like after halftime, they just kept throwing the ball. Like it, they mm-hmm. came out of halftime and they did give the ball to Clyde Edwards Alaire a couple times. Yep. And I was like, finally, here we go. We're we're giving the ball. And he had like first down runs, like 12 yard runs. Yeah. Like, great. Here we go. Perfect. This is this is what they needed to do. Here comes the comeback. We're gonna this is gonna turn into a game. And then they just stopped. They stopped. Mm-hmm. They just, oh, okay, the run's working. I guess we can go back to throwing the ball 50 yards out. Like, no, it's working. Right. And then, and then you got to the, you got to the point obviously where you had to be throwing the ball because mm. you didn't run the ball earlier, or earlier in the game. But I think that's where they got messed up in the Super Bowl. Cause they just, if, right. if Patrick Mahomes was two, three more years deeper in the league, he would have realized and went up to Andy or whoever the coach is and just would have said, you know, time to change up the play calls. You might have called a couple more audibles, but instead, right. every play is like, "Hey, we're gonna throw it here." Okay, I've been yep. I just ran fifty yards in the backfield this last play after just a four man rush almost killed me. But yeah, let's throw the ball again. <laughs> I don't think a veteran right. would have. I don't think a vet would have done that. Right. My but, personal opinion. Yeah, and, you know, as much as it, you know, as you want the quarterback to realize that on the field, you know the head coach needs to realize it as well or the offensive coordinator who's calling the plays needs to not be stubborn as a donkey and you know stick with a plan that they want and not change it and you know right this game is all about you know how can you react and adapt on the fly and it seemed like they just didn't want to they couldn't figure out why tire kill didn't have 200 plus yards Mm-hmm. They just did it earlier in the year. Why is it not working? Well, we'll just keep trying until it happens. <laughs> that's what I think. That's what they were trying to do. <laughs> probably what they were trying. Like, why doesn't Tyreek have a billion yards? I don't know. Just keep throwing it to him. <laughs> what? He's gonna catch one of these. Oh, we're down. We're down five touchdowns. Oh shit! Too late. All right. <laughs> I still, you know, I guess we've already mini started the Super Bowl recap at this point. We talked a lot of Super Bowl with Dan- with Dane and obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. Just for those wondering, if you just if you're just tuning in, you know, Danon, uh, oh my God, Danon Hughes, mm-hmm. uh, first hour of the show, he was with us. Make sure you go back and listen to this podcast. You know, available on all podcasting platforms. You can rewatch it on YouTube or on Facebook. It was a great interview with Danon, so mm-hmm. encourage anyone to go back and listen to that. But since we've talked about most of the Super Bowl recap, I, I my the one thing I want to get off my chest. I even tweeted it. I never, I don't tweet things, but I, I tweeted it pre pre Super Bowl and post Super Bowl. My point stands, or at least my Super Bowl MVP vote still stands that Devin White should have been the Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, I said at least pre Super Bowl, if the Bucks win, it'll right. I, like it, then Devin White will probably end up playing a big part in that post Super Bowl still stands dude flew all over the place dude 
jet sweeps with Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman. Devin White sniffed that. That dude is so fast. That dude was keeping up with people like Tyreek Hill doing jet sweeps. Devin White's a monster. And then he boxed out Travis Kelsey and fought for that ball and caught that interception at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Devin White, they're, just, they're never going to give. The, I think the last time they gave it to a defensive player was Malcolm Smith in the Seahawks Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Devin White should have been Super Bowl MVP. And if you wanted to get really weird with it, you should have given the the MVP to um, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator <laughs> who came up with this game plan. Yeah. That's, that was who, a great, that's who really deserved it. Yeah, it was a great defensive plan. Tom Brady's like offense. fifth on my list. Let's put it that. Tom oh, Brady's yeah. like fifth on my list to get Super Bowl MVP. But guess mm-hmm. what? Tom Brady and the quarterback always gets it. So I was surprised. Who was your who was your pick? You got a pick? Like, I would pick really anyone on defense. Anyone. You know, you know, if it's not Devin White, then I'm looking at Winfield Jr. You know, he you know, coming back from injury and just playing, you know. Lights out for a rookie having that, you know, that tip interception. Um, you know, you could look at the other linebacker there who's been on the team. I can blanking on his name right now. Yeah, that guy who had like 22 sacks that one year. Um, yeah, Levante David, maybe. I think that's something. the other one. That is another, but uh, I'm looking it up right now. Of, oh, Shaquille kind of Barrett, like, Shaq Barrett. Oh yeah, that defensive end. But yeah, I think on the line, the linebacker that kind of like, um, I can tell you his jersey number fifty four. But you know, he was kind of, he had been with Tampa for nine years. It was his first playoff appearance this year, and they made oh, it all the way to, to the Super Bowl. And you know, he had that experience that allowed him to be that mentor to Devin White, and you know help Devin White, you know, become a better player. And I think you see that as a second year player in Devin White, that he's an outstanding linebacker and he's gonna be with this team probably for many years to come. Um and that you would hope they would just, you know, continue to build around him, build around Winfield, and they keep Shaq Barrett, you know, that, that that's your three levels right there in the defense. Build around them. That's all you gotta do. And yeah. this defense is it was I, I love the way this defense played. And, you know, I, you know, not to go back to the SC championship game, but I hope the Bills, you know, defensive staff saw this Super Bowl and said, we need something like that. We need to be that aggressive. A four man rush was making Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable, making him run around and around and around. And then he's throwing horizontally, you know, to the end zone. That's what you need. That was that is the key to beating this Chiefs offense. Um, doesn't matter how explosive they are, if you can beat them with a four man rush, they can't get the ball down the field, they can't score points. That's what it is. And that is, I give this Tampa Bay team, you know, I give the defense all the credit in the world as to why they won the championship. You know, it goes back to the old saying. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. You know, Brady played a very complimentary to the defense game. The offense was balanced between run and pass. Um, they were just, you know, to me, it was like Brady was out there on a Sunday drive, just kind of, yep, going down the field. Here we go. All right, that's not working. We're going to try this. Oh, that worked. Okay, let's keep going and try something else. Dun, 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 dun. Touchdown. Okay, there we go. And then the defense is like, Ha, huh, you ready for it again? Okay, here you go. Here's the ball again. Try again. 
Yeah, I I don't remember who I was mini arguing with, but mm-hmm. they they said that Tampa Bay's defense carried this team throughout the regular season and the playoffs and then continued to do so in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't go as far as saying the defense carried this team, mm-hmm. but I like you just said, defense wins championships. And when you're going – like. Tampa Bay's offense was clicking. They scored yeah. 30, 31 points, 30-something, 30 yep. whatever. 31, yeah. They scored 31 points, and they kind of took their foot off the gas at the end. They could have kept scoring easily. So they probably could have even still won if it was a shootout. But they didn't right. even need to do a shootout because yeah. of the defense. It's the key to winning any football game, I think, is getting to the quarterback with a four-man rush. Mm-hmm. If you can get to a quarterback with a four-man rush, you're going to disrupt every single thing because they can't throw it, so they're going to start to run it. But that's when you start bringing five, six guys, and you start filling up the box, and then then you start mm-hmm. pushing back, and then you just rush four again. And then you're, you're making them question every single thing they do. Right. That's how you win. That's why you need a strong front four and a strong linebacking core that can also be in pass coverage. Yep. That's Absolutely. what the Seahawks are struggling these days. Yeah. You know, as much as I love Bobby Wagner, as much as I love KJ, these guys are getting old. Mm-hmm. And you see it in pass coverage. You see it very often in pass coverage. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to see. That's mm-hmm. just coming from a Seahawks fan. Yeah. I don't that doesn't surprise me. Any other takeaways from the Super Bowl? I mean, Tom Brady um, has seven rings. He's the GOAT. I mean, I don't. It, there we go. Is Tom Brady the go? I'll ask you. As a Bills fan, is Tom Brady? Bills <laughs> he has to be. It doesn't matter how much I don't like the guy. He shows on and on again on the field that he just gets it done. You know, seven Super Bowl rings. Who? What single player has that? I don't think anybody. Like, you know, you see the memes on social media, like someone that in Hall of Fame should literally build an annex for Tom Brady's Hall of Fame career because you can slice it in half by three, by four. It's still a Hall of Fame career because of what he's done time in and time out for such a longevity. And he's just, it just worked. I don't, I really don't know how. I don't know how his body has stayed, you know, together to play at this level for so long and i don't think people understand the buccaneers went seven and nine last year mm-hmm. they just won the super bowl i mean they added a couple of people on defense they they brought in a, a great rookie class but with the addition of those players they bring in tom brady mm-hmm. who just brings stability maturity a veteran presence to the offense and they win the freaking super bowl in his first year there and i go back to something that danon said you know like we look at patrick mahomes and the expectation is patrick mahomes always great he's already been to two super bowls this guy's gonna be the next tom brady who's gonna win seven plus rings that's not a guarantee right russell wilson went to a super bowl he went to two super bowls he's got one ring maybe that's maybe this is it for patrick mahomes He's got one yeah. ring and then another appearance who lost to Tom Brady. Maybe that's what happens. The same as Russell Wilson, the same thing happens to Patrick Mahomes. Maybe mm-hmm. this is it. Who knows? Maybe this implodes. Maybe this just doesn't work anymore. He gets injured again. Maybe he, maybe Patrick Mahomes turned into a 
major disappointment because he's injury prone. Who knows? And then people, then people start blaming the offensive line, and then it's a complete <laughs> repeat of what we're seeing in Seattle. They didn't care right. about the offensive line, so the quarterback got hurt, and they couldn't win any more Super Bowls, and then it's a bust. Mm-hmm. Nothing's a guarantee. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, all these people that are supposed to win multiple rings, they don't. Yeah. The only person that can do it is Tom Brady. And mm-hmm. you know, Peyton Manning, obviously, if you like won multiple rings, that's not my well, point. But seven is my point. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we all assume Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be the guy that wins seven rings. Well, maybe, probably not. We're probably never going to see a guy like this again. Right. In our lifetime. I'm. <laughs> yeah. I. I wouldn't expect it to see that again. The league has been around for a hundred years, a mm-hmm. hundred years. And we're alive during the time period where we get to watch Tom Brady win seven rings. Yeah. <sighs> I hate the fact that I like gush over him now. Like I'm like giving him all this credit because I used to hate him, but right. now it's like he went to another team and in his first year wins the Super Bowl. That's just insane. I don't, do you understand how hard that is to do? I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think people understand. People on social media can be like, like really just kind of like close minded, put the blinders on. Do you realize yeah. how hard it is to go to a just a team in a COVID mm-hmm. year where you can't like go out to dinner and hang out with your teammates right. and stuff? It's a COVID year. You go to this team, you have no idea who anybody is, and you're just like, let's win a Super Bowl. I, yeah. I don't even think Peyton Manning did it when he went to Denver. Not in the first no, year. Not the first year because that because Seattle kicked their butts in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they beat the Panthers. Yep. He the the guy is just ability, and you know I would hope he goes into coaching when he's done. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, I think he would make a great offensive coordinator. You know, work his way up to that, and then I think he, you know, without a doubt, get the head coach. But he is going to be someone who was going to know how to pick apart a defense because he's seen so many different defenses over Maybe he'll going to the broadcast booth. He'll be the next Tony Romo. Here. Oh, I hope what, what a waste of talent. That would be. <laughs> that would be. Oh, he doesn't seem like a coach to me, but I don't know. Brady or but, Romo? No, Brady, but I just like, yeah. just his personality that we see. It's hard right. to see him as a coach, but I'm sure he's smart enough to be a coach. He would just have to. Oh yeah. Like flip a different switch. I'm sure he has a coaching switch that he's ready to flip on. Right. And then, you know, I feel like he's doing it now though, too. Like we've heard from Bruce Arians, like I don't have to coach. I let him coach on the field. Like Brady's there telling his teammates, you know, what to expect, you know, what they should be doing. Like he's already there being a great teammate and, you know, being that mentor, which is essentially coaching. In, in a nutshell, you know, maybe he doesn't have always like, maybe he, you know, he'll have to work on his, you know, his game plan or his scheme that he wants to use. Um, because it seems like he can just play in any scheme for the most part. Um, but I think from a, a coaching with two other players, you know, kind of mentorship aspect, I think he's got it all day. Yeah. It'd be interesting. But I'm sure it's I'm sure it's coming. But for now, he's he's ready to run it back, as we all know. Yeah. He said he's coming back for another year. They're going to try and run it back. Bruce Arians is coming back. Hopefully, he doesn't have another heart attack on the sideline. That'd be great. Hopefully, that yeah. I'm worried about Bruce, man. Sometimes I just look at him. He just always looks like he's about to have a heart attack. 
He does look a little rough now these days. I noticed. Yeah. Like in, in like wearing the mask too. Mm-hmm. The entire time he's wearing the mask, like he just looks like he's about to keel over. Like I like, oh god, Bruce, like going to the box or something. I, I I worry about him. I worry about him. Yeah. Oh, my parents forgot it was Tuesday. Oh no. Yeah, you missed the great interview. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you watch your back. Watch it back. Listen to it back. Whatever you end up doing, it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Dane and Hughes, everybody. Um, oh, yeah. But. I, any any last thoughts? I mean, this this was the NFL season. What overall thoughts? Here we go. Mm-hmm. Overall thoughts, NFL season 2020, 2021. What takeaways? Just how can you sum it up? Whether it's for the Bills as a whole, just let's your synopsis for 2020, okay. 2021. Let's put a bow on it. All right. Um, I think as the league in a whole for the 2020 season, um, I'll give you one word relieved. Because they did it, there was no games canceled. They, you know, they had to reschedule a couple of games, which made some of the scheduling crazy. They, you know, they put in COVID protocols in place, you know, that made it work so that they were able to play all 256 games before the playoffs. Um, they just made it work, and they were able to give us a full season of sports. And we were there just to reap the benefits. So for me, it's like that was a bit of normalcy this this fall that we saw, and it you know it gives you that relieved feeling, um, in general. But if it's not relieved, it's successful for this for this team for this league. You know they 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 aren't going to make the money that they expected to. Obviously, no people in the stands half the time, if not majority of the time, but. For what they had to, the hoops they had to jump through this year, it, it without a doubt successful. Successful and relieved. Yeah, I'm not even going to say anything. Okay, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that was beautiful. Thanks. That was, that was a great, great sum up for the season. Yeah. I can't put it any other way. There's nothing I could say that could top that. So yeah, yeah we're going to leave it with that. All right. Um, and then just right here at the bottom, we'll, we'll leave everybody with um, our oh, yeah. off the field segment. 2021, uh, the 2020, 21, 21 season is over and we're getting ready to do a whole slew of off the field stuff for the off season. But our mm-hmm. final piece for the actual season is Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited. Winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Hey, the Seahawks won something. Thank God. Hey, there you go. Woohoo! <laughs> Did you see him up in the box with Ciara, like next to Russ, uh, Roger Goodell? Yeah. He looked miserable. <laughs> He's wearing his mask and sunglasses. Mm-hmm. He's just like, is it over yet? <laughs> he just sat. He looked like oh. he was having the worst time of his life. Um. So yeah, the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson. Uh, for all of his work with the Why Not You Foundation. Uh, we covered this last week a little bit, the whynotufbn.org. Let me throw it back up there again. Mm-hmm. This is the website. and Yeah, they they updated it right there. He wanted his uh, Why, Not Fee- Why Not You Foundation extends a heartful congratulations to our founder, Russell Wilson, for being recognized at this year's Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. 
prestigious award honors Russell Wilson's continued dedication to social good and social justice and his mission of empowering today's youth to become tomorrow's leaders. And during our show last week, mm-hmm. you, you said, you know, at one point that, you know, the youth is the future. Mm-hmm. Whether people want to admit that or not, you think like you're you think that your current generation is going to be like the saviors of the world. Probably not. It's going to be, no. you know, no one's going to be the savior of the world, but mm-hmm. you have to hope the next generation tries to do a little, little bit better, like more right. good in the world. So that's stuff like this that helps towards that. Russell Wilson, um, I guess this is his mission statement right here. It was founded in 2014 as a nonprofit dedicated to education, children's health, and fighting poverty, empowering today's youth to lead with a why not you attitude. Our mission is to empower change in the world one individual at a time, one child at a time. And if this doesn't, you know, him getting the award with this mission statement doesn't sum up 2020 and 2021 so far, um, you know, it's, it's kind of perfect because we saw Kamala Harris you know, mm-hmm. um, a woman become vice president, and we saw two female assistant coaches win a Super Bowl. We mm-hmm. saw a female ref, uh, a referee in the Super Bowl, first time ever. Uh, just all of these things. If I'm missing something, feel free to throw it in there. Uh, female kicker in Division One. Yep, Sarah. Yep, Sarah Fuller. Um, I'm sure there were so many more things. I feel like so oh, many yeah. of these, these but- firsts happened. Yeah, but at least it, you know. I hope everyone's getting the idea that you know that things are happening for first, and we're making breakthroughs in the right direction. Right, things that were not things before are becoming things because the generation before us, hopefully our generation, is showing the youth that you can do and be mm-hmm. whatever you want. Why not you? Attitude. Yep. That's what Russell Wilson is doing here. And he has his tuition free school he's creating, the Why Not You Academy. Uh, you can go to, like I said, whynotufdn.org is his website, has everything on here. Anything is possible. Scholarships, $100,000 scholarship program. I mean, great stuff on this website if you want oh, to yeah. research into the wonderful role of Russell Wilson, who is a great human being. Mm-hmm. But, Absolutely. Um, that's that's going to be our show. Mm-hmm. That's a wrap on the 2020-2021 season. And I don't think Definitely. we could have ended it any better. Couldn't. Uh, don't think so. I think uh, we did. Uh, yeah. I mean, to end the season with a former NFL player and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's pretty cool stuff. <laughs> Can't, can't really beat because it's gonna be hard to beat that one. My goodness, better start, start DMing some active players. Yeah, if I, you got to look for the ones that have their DMs open. That's the tough part. I'm starting oh, to learn. Yeah, yeah, on Twitter, it's it's tough. You gotta like, you got you gotta look for the ones with the DMs open. I wonder Weird. if Nathan Peterman has his DMs open. <gasps> oh, hold on, let's <laughs> let's end the show by finding Nathan Peterman's Twitter. He just signed a contract extension with the Raiders, too. Oh, that's the news I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. Nathan Peterman did sign a one-year extension with the Raiders. Yeah. And there's rumors. P-E-T-E-R-M-A-N. Oh, Nathan Peterman. There he is. Ah, he doesn't have his DMs open. 
Oh, darn. I'll still tweet at him. There you go. I'll, I'll tag him in something. There you go. So here, <laughs> hey, they're trying to shop Derek Carr. The Raiders are trying to shop Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, yeah. which would leave Nathan Peterman to be the starter of the Raiders. It could happen. It could, it could happen. I think. Oh, I think our buddy Matt might become a Raiders fan if that happened. Oh, oh without a doubt, without a <laughs> doubt, I would buy the jersey and everything. I'd be ready to go. Oh, oh, that, that, that'd be a good time. Good lord! Wait, we were we were going about to end on a high note, and then that happened. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a great season, though! It was a great season. It was. It's over. We have our Super Bowl champion. As you said earlier, relieved. Mm-hmm. We made it. We made and it. We're into the off season. Oh yeah. The season might be over. The 2020-21 season might be over, but the off season is just beginning and we will be back next week to start it off because mama didn't raise no wusses.